Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here, people of all different um, generations, and we pray in this series, you help us to understand ourselves better, to understand each other better, and learn how we can work together more collectively and individually as your church to serve one another, to serve our world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get started with the sermon, a couple things. Um, as we heard in the video, we are entering into a capital campaign, and um, I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and I'm kind of the new person to block here at St. Mark, and one thing I truly see is the need of this congregation for a fellowship room like that for all generations to gather together. So I want to encourage you to really um, get behind us and pray for success, that God moves our congregation to, to take this next step in doing that. And also, if you are new to St. Mark, um, next couple of weeks, we have a couple of opportunities that are available. One of them is today, we're having a seminar from about noon to three o'clock, which goes over all the basic teachings that we as Lutheran Christians believe, for those interested in finding out more about our theology, what we believe. And next week, we have an orientation class for one hour, starts around noon, for those who are interested in becoming members. Well, we're in a series called, We're All in This Together. And I'm really excited about the series because um, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves. We're going to learn a lot about each other. And, and last week, Pastor Mike gave a great overview of all the generations. And each week, starting this week, we're going to talk about a certain generation. There's five generations in existence. And today is going to be the builder generation, those born before 1946. And then next week, the boomers. We get for that generation X and generation Y, generation Z. There's never been a time in history where generations are more diverse than they are right now because of all the change that is happening in our society, especially in the whole area of, of technology. And so we're going to jump into today a topic of who are the builders. And here's some of the names for the builders. Strivers. Survivors. The GI generation. A lot of them have been impacted by two uh, major world wars and also the Korean War. The silent generation, I'll explain a little bit more about that later, and seniors. But interesting as well, now a lot of the boomers are moving into that category as well. Formative events, World War I. You know, most likely there's not too many individuals from this generation that were in World War I or part of that um, because they'd be over 100 years old, but a lot of those in the builder generation had parents that were affected by World War I. The Roaring Twenties. A time of incredible prosperity. Um, happy days are here again, just the economy was booming during the 20s, the roaring 20s. But then at the end of that decade was the Great Depression. Something that none of us that have you know, been born since then could truly understand if we hadn't been through it. You know, the Great Recession was bad enough, but this Great Depression, it was a lot worse. And a lot of people lost everything. A lot of, uh, maybe a number of you um, that were from that generation, maybe you had to go to work, getting part-time jobs, but not to earn money for college or to put in your bank account, but to get food on the table for your family. Pearl Harbor took place, and after that event took place, thousands and thousands of individuals went to register um, to be serving in the military. World War II, the most violent war in history. Over 60 million people perished, died during that war. Many people's lives impacted incredibly. And what's interesting, after World War I and after World War II, 
Incredible prosperity followed, at least for those countries that were victorious like we were here in the United States. Then there was the Korean War, a war that affected a lot of our individuals in our country as well. Major influences, rural lifestyle. A lot more people grew up on farms back then than they do today. You know, my grandfather um, was up in northern Minnesota. In the Midwest in particular, all the roads are how long before there's intersections? Exactly one mile. One mile squares, okay? And within each of those mile squares, 640 acres. And typically, in each one of those squares, you're going to find four family units. My grandpa was one of those. 160 acres of land is what he owned, one-fourth of one of those squares. And so a lot of people grew up in a rural environment. The radio, as Pastor Mike talked about last week, this was a huge invention at that time. And it gave people an opportunity, you know, to listen and hear news coming in and, and um, communication got a lot better. And people could be listening to the radio but still doing other tasks or working in the, the garage or working around the house. But they could multitask while they listened to news and different things coming or listen to music, where they wanted to listen to. The automobile, a huge Invention, not just that, but the airplane as well. The transportation industry taking off. For centuries, people did not move or very far from where they lived or even travel that far. But with the onset of the automobile and the airplane, things changed incredibly. Rationing. Because of the Great Depression, because of World War II, um, this generation understood the concept of having to ration things. In fact, um, I used to collect pennies. In one of the years during World War II, um, pennies were no longer copper. What were they? Steel, because they needed the copper for the casings um, for artillery. Big band music was huge, as we heard um, on the video. In fact, it's interesting for a lot of the younger generation today, it's starting to make a bit of a comeback. Families huge, sometimes very large families. School and education of extreme importance, and church was the heart and center of this generation. Characteristics, extremely hard-working generation. They were savers, and not only were they savers, they were typically frugal. And again, these are generalizations, okay? Not everybody fits into the exact categories. There's always exceptions, um, but these are generalizations of, of the generation. Very patriotic. In fact, in this day and age where um, there's all this controversy about people kneeling for the flag, a generation that really probably gets most offended is this generation because a lot of them, they had family members um, and friends that maybe fought in some of the wars that never came back home. Incredible sacrifice taking place. For a lot of them, they had the imagery of Iwo Jima with the, the American flag going up on the top of that mountain on that island. Very loyal. Extremely private for a lot of them. I met a lot of individuals that fought in World War II, and they do not want to talk about it. A lot of them saw you know, terrible atrocities, very challenging things, but yet they keep it close to themselves. You know, my grandfather um, was a very interesting guy. You know, he had a large family, and we had these family reunions. We'd all be talking, but my grandfather hardly ever talked, hardly ever said a word. But all of a sudden, he would start talking, and guess what? Everybody else stops talking and listens. It's like the sage is speaking. And my father was the same way. A very quiet man kind of kept his feelings more to himself. Very cautious. 
They're not as apt to want to see change as the rest of our society is. Extremely respectful and respect authority. Dependable generation and very stable. But here's one challenge. Sometimes they're intolerant. This can be good and it can be bad. There's many people in this generation that, that feel that their way is the only way that is the right way. And if it turns into a judgmental attitude, it's not a good thing. But change for them is a lot more um, difficult than other generations. Extremely family-focused. Religious factors. This generation attended worship and Bible study. You know, for me, my, my parents are builder parents. Every Sunday, guess what? We went to worship and... Sunday school. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't even an option, okay? And we go on vacation, and my dad, no matter where we were in the country, even way up in northern Canada, he'd find a church we'd attend on that Sunday. Um, just extremely committed to worship and Bible study. I noticed this too when I was at my last church at Shepherd of the Desert that a lot of the winter guests that came down from the Midwest, um, when I first got there, you know, more than about, about 12 years ago in particular, they were extremely involved in almost every event at the church. But over time, some of them have gone on to heaven. Some of them no longer can drive down here or get down um, to Arizona. A new generation, more the boomers um, that are still, some of them still even working, they're not nearly as committed as these builders were. Other things about this group. Strong sense of commitment. Focus on missions. You think of the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, Lutheran Layman's League, Lutheran Hour Ministries. Um, this generation, in particular, saw the Missouri Synod at its pinnacle in the 50s and the 60s. It was growing in leaps and bounds. It was at the pinnacle. And since that time, they've seen this denomination begin um, to decline. And the emphasis on mission, not as strong as it was um, years ago. They tend to be generous givers. They like structure. Loyalty to the denomination. If they grew up Missouri Synod, typically they stay Missouri Synod. And they can't understand why their children or grandchildren wouldn't be the same way. But with each successive generation, there's not nearly the commitment to the denomination. Most grew up in a traditional church setting. Last week when Pastor Mike asked um, people to raise their hand according to the generation that they're from, um, this generation has the highest percent, I guess you could say, of those that are in the builder generation, more used to the traditional style of worship. Now, here's some of the characteristics those were, and I want to, each week we're going to share an individual from the Bible that we feel depicts the generation. And the person we chose um, to depict the builder generation is Moses. And Moses' life can be broken down into three segments of 40 years. The first 40 years, he grew up where? in Pharaoh's palace. He grew up, raised his royalty. He had it all. But then at the end of that time, he um, saw an Egyptian beating up a Hebrew slave, and he lost his temper. He killed the Egyptian, which forced him to do what? He had to flee. He fleed into the wilderness. There he met a guy named Jethro. He got married. The next 40 years, he, he had a family. Um, he took care of sheep. He, was, he worked hard as a shepherd. And for 40 years, God, I guess you could say, prepared him, practicing, so to speak, on the sheep. A hard worker. He lost it all, but then he, he worked hard. And how does this compare to the builder generation? 
Think of the Roaring Twenties or even some of the economic booms that took place. There's times when that generation was extremely blessed. Um, At the same time, there were times when it was challenging and times when they lost it all. But through it all, this generation has worked extremely hard. And now we arrive at age 80 for Moses. You would think it's time for retirement. It's time to relax. It's time to take it easy. What happened to Moses? That's when his ministry began. Because God comes to him in the burning bush. And what happens is, rather than retirement, there is redirection in his life. And God calls him to go back to Egypt and to be the one to lead the people from Egypt and to lead them ultimately to the promised land. At first, he is a bit reluctant in doing this, but God gets through to him and he becomes one of the greatest leaders in history. And for the next 40 years, God uses him. And first, he leads the people out of Egypt. And they see the Red Sea part. And they go through the wilderness. And he sees the unfaithfulness at times of the people. But yet, he keeps leading. He keeps trusting God. He walks closely with God. He leads the people ultimately to the promised land. And when you think about Moses' life, here we are talking about him thousands of years later. An incredible leader. You see, the point is, as long as we're here, God has a plan for us. And what I see in Moses as well, example of what Jesus was going to do too, but Jesus did it in a greater way. That Jesus leads us out of the Egypt, so to speak, out of hell. He leads us through the wilderness of sin, which is life. And he's the one that leads us ultimately into the promised land, that through Jesus Christ, we have a pathway to heaven. Through Jesus Christ, we have purpose and meaning now and forever. So Moses led like Jesus. And here's the challenge for the builder generation. To keep leading like Jesus. The mission of builders, number one, keep the main thing the main thing. And what's the main thing? Our faith in Jesus Christ. Your generation, the builder generation, two-thirds of you have been very active in church. More so than any other generation as far as percentage. To keep your focus on Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I found out yesterday a very good friend of mine passed away. His name was Bill Johnson, 94 years old. And I had a Saturday morning men's Bible study I led for many years, and he was there every single week. And he served as an elder into his 90s. He kept working his family business right up to the day that he passed away. An amazing example to me of someone who kept the main thing the main thing who kept serving even as he, he grew older. In fact, I'm, to be honest with you, I was surprised he even passed away at 94. I thought he was going to make it to maybe 120 like Moses. But now he's with the Lord in heaven. But what an example. I'm sure all of us can think of people like that that are examples from that generation. So keep the main thing, the main thing. The next point is this, to be leaders in passing on the faith to be leaders in passing on this amazing, amazing faith that we have. It says in Psalms, 
Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. To be leaders in passing on the faith. You know, I want to share a couple examples. And one is, um, I think I talked about this before on Sunday night. Um, Mike's grandmother, Pastor Mike's grandmother, Dorothy Gerard. And she was a member at the church I served at at Shepherd of the Desert. And she spent every day, anywhere three to five hours praying. She prayed constantly. And I call her up. I talk to her more than almost any other member of the congregation because I don't have the gift of intercession like she had. I call her up and I give her a list of things to pray for. And she'd pray. One time I went over to see her and she showed me her whole itinerary, how she prayed, all the different devotional books that she used. You know, it was just hard for her to get around almost physically, but yet she prayed to the day she went to heaven. And when she left and went to heaven, I, I had a huge void for me. My prayer warrior had gone to heaven, so I had to find some other ones. You know, I serve as a coach to pastors. And one of the churches I'm serving or working with is in inner city Detroit. And the pastor there is, he's from Pakistan originally, and 20 years ago I mentored him and, and helped him with the church he's at. Um, and the church is struggling. It's down to 25 people. And I reached out to him, and it, it's just really, really struggling. And, and um, he said this, there's this retired pastor who started coming to my church. I asked for the name of the pastor, and he told me, and I realized this pastor was the head pastor of a church that worshiped 2,000 people. I said, you got to talk to him. You need to get close to him. And he did. And then my friend Asif had got cancer. And over the last three months, this, senior, this um, retired pastor has stepped forward to lead the congregation. And not only that, but he knew someone else, a very gifted young pastor who was looking to be involved in the church. It was going to be self-funding. He's going to raise the money to cover his position. And, and so he set this all up. And now my friend Asif has a retired pastor and now a, a full-time other pastor on his staff um, to build up his team. This church is all of a sudden experiencing a resurgence. A pastor who was in retirement didn't realize that God didn't want him to be in retirement. He kept on serving. Another example, here in Arizona, another group I'm working with is a group that's putting together the first online Missouri Synod Church. And guess what their average age is? About 76. Okay? They range from like 70 to about 93 or 4 years old. These people are coming together. They're forming this online Missouri Synod Church because they want to reach their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And I just, you know, I've been volunteering my time to help them because I believe in what they're doing. The point is this. As long as we are on this planet, God has a plan for us. Look for the word retirement in the Bible. You're not going to find it, folks. God has a plan. I'm not saying it's okay. It's still fine to slow down and relax and do things, but keep figuring out what God is calling you to do because if you're here, God has a calling for you. And I want to apologize to the builder generation because I think there's times in our society where the younger generations have not respected you like they should. And you've seen a lot of change, and a lot of those changes have been bad. And I know it's been painful and hurtful for you. But the first thing I call right now is to all those who are not a part of the builder's generation, the boomers, generation X, Y, and Z, that we need to rise up and respect this generation more so than ever. Because they're a smart generation. They've helped to shape this country the way it is today. 
but I also want to challenge this builder generation. And right now I want to ask for anybody who's been born before 1946 to please rise, okay? Please rise. Before 1946. 45 and younger. Okay. Almost half of the group this congregation right now is here in the service. And I want to thank you for all you've done to help make this country the amazing country it is. I want to thank you for the example that you have been of sharing your love for Jesus with others. And I now challenge you to continue to keep the main thing the main thing. That you realize, I know you know that Jesus is a key for life and for eternity. To keep him in the heart and the center of your lives. And I want to encourage you to continue to rise up as leaders. Not only to reach out to your own generation, but to reach out to all generations in the love of Jesus Christ. Will you do this? And so answer by saying yes. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this generation. I thank you for their dedication. I thank you for their example. I thank you for the faith you put within them. Lord, help all the other generations to look to them as examples. They've seen so much change, and I pray that you continue to work through them in powerful ways to see your calling, the purpose you have for them in their lives, Lord, and work through them in even more powerful ways than ever before to share your love of Jesus with their families, with their church, with all those around them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank God for you.